Dad. Mom, hey. Listen, hey. Mom, I got bad news. We're not going to be able to make it tomorrow. It's me. No one was more upset than we were last year that you got into a happy and, and deal with the situation. Every year, Brad and Kate spend the holidays avoiding their families. No flights are coming in and no flights are going out. This isn't happening. Do you have a sister airline? No, I'm sorry. How about a cousin airline? No, we don't. How about like an airline that your airline's felt up before? But this year... Where are you headed for the holidays? They'll be forced to celebrate... Hi, Mom. It's my dad. They just saw us on the news. ...with all of them. Okay, he's going to give you a big hug when he sees you, Mom. I'm not hugging anybody. He's very excited about the hug. From New Line Cinema... We just got to get through these four Christmases as quickly and as painlessly as possible. Merry Christmas, Mom. Hey, Dad. Good to see you, oh. Mom. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, Dad. Hey, these are my brothers, Denver and Dallas. You must be Orlando's girl. Orlando? We're all named after the city that we were conceived in. That's disgusting. Oh, my God. Four families. Bradley, I'm not trying to be your father. I'm hoping for a chance to be your friend. Well, you were my friend. You were my best friend. But now you're sleeping with my mom, and it's a little bit weird for me. One day. That's you? Mom, did you put that on the mantle? I love that photo. You look huge. I ate my feelings, Brad. She must have had a lot of bad feelings. <laughs> I just gotta adjust it. Pull the damn thing. <laughs> Too much. It's an exit strategy. In spawn. Reese Witherspoon. Hello. <laughs> did Jackson protect us? I'll move on it. Four Christmases. You gotta get out of here. Why? I can't breathe. I wanna do it too! Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Damie Network, and to find more from us, check out the website themaindamie.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at themaindamie. We're also now a proud member of Geek Fives Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to the They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio, and with me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Meyer. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hello. I'm just so glad we're in my time of year for watching movies why is this your time of year like you guys love halloween i will watch christmas movies okay so this um, is this is your 31 yes. days of horror 25 days of christmas it's mark's gig yeah i All probably right. won't watch as much as you guys do just because i'm also preparing for a certain other thing for our podcast that's taking a little bit of my time but i will actually have things to mention in the awesome. upcoming segment perfect perfect all right so this is the first episode of December, so that means it's 25 days of Christmas. We've got four weeks of nothing but Christmas movies. But before we get into that, guys, what have you been watching? I've watched a ton of movies lately, so I'm not going to give you too many. But I watched Dread, which I think is incredibly underrated, the uh, Carl Urban movie Dread. Great film. I wish they would do would have done a sequel or a series on Netflix. Anything, please bring that back. I watched the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, still the best. Fellowship of the Ring. In December, I start to watch all the Lord of the Rings movies because they came out in December. So it's just a little tradition I do. And I watched for the first time A Few Good Men. And I kind of have a hot take. I don't know if it's hot or not. Maybe a, a lukewarm take. But I think Tom Cruise is a very good actor. Or he was a very good actor. I don't know about now. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy watching him act. Is that wrong? Yeah. I've never disliked anything no. he's really been in. 
I I think maybe what he's a part of kind of precedes him now. Right. But it's kind of you got to take the good with the bad, basically. Yes. You have to. It's kind of. Well, I mean, you still love Mel Gibson though, and that's the same sort of situation. I, mean, I I like Mel Gibson acting wise. I don't think he's a great person outside of that. Right. But I've seen Mel Gibson movies, and I'm like, yeah, you know, he's still a good actor. I remember not really having seen too many Tom Cruise movies outside of like Mission Impossible. And then I recently I've been watching more of his stuff, and he's a pretty solid actor. I yeah. I was kind of thrown off by it, I should say. Did any of the movies you watched this week keep you up to 4 a.m.? Oh, yes. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> I watched The Lincoln Lawyer until 4 o'clock in the morning. A whole lot of why comes with that. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I think I was just, like, stopping to do other things. When did I watch it? I think I watched it Friday night into Saturday morning. I forget exactly when it was, but... And the, I think it was Wednesday. I think you started watching it after oh, I left on yes, Wednesday. Yes, that's right. Oh, that's why. Because we had people over, and you guys left kind of late. What time did you leave? Around 1 or one one thirty? Yeah, okay. Like so now it's all kind of coming together. I watched something before that, too. I think it was one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And then I'll I was just... that. <laughs> I was kind of just scrolling through, and I had seen someone, someone uh, mention the Lincoln Lawyer. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll put it on. Why not? And it's like two and a half hours long. You know, once I start something, I, I intend to finish it. So it was good. I thought it was pretty good. Ryan Felipe is in it. You remember him, guys? Barely. Yeah, yeah. that's what I said, too. Like, oh, that's it's that guy. I don't know too much about him, but he's he did the it. Leo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when he came on screen. Right, he pointed. <laughs> but it's Ryan Felipe. And I, you know, I could kind of tell why he doesn't do too much anymore. He was probably the worst part of that movie. But yeah, you know, William H. Macy's in it. He's good. Obviously, McConaughey kind of steals the show yeah it was good i i enjoyed it but it, it was a little predictable i'll say but other than that i enjoyed it it was worth staying up till four o'clock i'd do it again yeah because I, I i've never heard anything bad about the lincoln lawyer but if you asked me what movie would stay up till four o'clock in the morning watching it wouldn't be the lincoln lawyer i don't think <laughs> the good thing about this podcast is we kind of discover some stuff about <laughs> each other yes and it's all baffling. It's never, like, well, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know Dan liked that stuff. That's pretty cool. All right. You just went up a notch. It's like, why did you do that? Or why did you watch this? Yeah. It's not quite as baffling as your League of Extraordinary Gentlemen <laughs> history, but. <laughs> well, again, it's not my personal, like my favorite. It's not my go-to. If it's on. But it's been I, your I mean, go-to five to six times. Sure. I, again, I watched it one time in high school. It was right. just like one of the, like the end of the semester was, was upon us and the teacher didn't want to teach. I'm like, all right, we'll watch League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It has literary characters in it. It's educational. So that's one. All right. So that's one time. And then two for this podcast. So that's twice. <laughs> so in between high school and a couple weeks ago, I've seen it three times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's a long time. All right. I'll I'll give it to you. Thank you. <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> what about you, Mark? What have you watched this week? Yeah, so we'll start out with the Christmas movie because the other thing I like to talk a lot longer about. So I do my annual uh, Thanksgiving weekend of, of watching Love Actually is probably a movie. One of the rare ones that I actually own on DVD, Blu-ray. 
of Christmas movies. So why sat through again? I still like it every time. It's one of those that along with Elf and similar movies, Christmas Vacation, that I make sure I watch every year. That leads me into I finished The Queen's Gambit over the weekend, or as you said, the last two days. Yeah, that show, while, you know, it's not like world beating, like, oh my God, it's show with a century sort of thing. Like I saw some people talking about it. It was a very good show, very fun watch. I love the uh, cinematography and the, the shots of using the bright colors and just the aesthetic of the, the 60s there to sort of make her stand out amongst everything else. I thought that was very well done. There were some moments when you can tell that a female character was written by two dudes, especially during her breakdown scene when it's like, oh, yeah, of course, she'll just be in a tank top and panties for this entire scene. A couple times I was glad that they uh, passed the Bechdel test with a couple female characters. I only had a couple minor complaints. It just annoyed me, I guess, because I watched it so much often. It's just little things in the movie. Like, she's supposed to, like, write down her moves, and there's a couple times where she makes a move and then just doesn't do it, like, doesn't even fake-like, and then they cut away. And I'm just like, ah, just just reach for the pen. Just So I'm probably the only person that gets annoyed at that. The other chess players were all doing it. Every move, they were staying in character with that. But the one thing, really, to talk about in that movie is that I don't know if she's going to become a big star or anything or just a movie star, maybe not an award-winning, you know, anything. Anya Taylor-Joy is just mesmerizing. She's on screen. Like, there's this one scene where she's walking into the hotel room or something, and the mother walks in first, and it's just bland, and then she, her character just pops in and sort of looks around, and I'm like, all right, I'm in now. She embodies the character in all the nonverbal moments that need to be done, like during the chess matches and stuff, that she conveys the emotion and makes it not just look like somebody staring at a camera. Just the little hand movements, that little famous thing with the uh, hands under the chin. And I haven't seen her in much. Just know her that she's in New Mutants and The Witches. Or The Witch or something. Yeah, The Witch. The Witch, yeah. Um, I think it's a good watch if you just want something to binge on on Netflix. I don't think it's like a show of the century that we'll be talking about for years to come. But it's a nice, fun, well-shot, well-acted. As for me... It's Christmas season, so we've been watching a lot of Christmas movies. The one non-Christmas movie I did watch was the second Borat movie. Finally got down to sit down and watch it. It was fine. The first Borat was probably one of my top five theater-going experiences, like, ever. Saw it in college, packed house, like, around midnight. Best environment to watch that movie in. Hilarious. Haven't seen it since. I think I've (laughs) only seen it once myself. I have never felt like I needed to go back and watch Borat. (laughs) That movie obviously stands the test of time, right? You still have Maybe. people quoting it. Yeah. On this podcast, I'm sure we could go back and have, we could hear Mark say, my wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely a cultural phenomenon. Right. I have no idea if it holds up because I, as I mentioned, I've, that's the 2006 was the only time I ever watched it. Right. But I had some time this week, so I decided to watch the second one and it was fine. I feel like the country itself has gotten into such a parody of itself that yeah. it's him commenting on a parody of what America used to be. So it's it's like a little bit of like shooting fish in the barrel and at the same time also not seeing what the overall point is, really. I think I think what I've seen of his his show that he had, I guess two years ago or so was on Showtime. I think it was another like a, a reboot of Ali G. Okay. I think that was probably a little more successful in, in whatever point he was trying to make. At this point, it's just like, all right, well, these people don't really need help making themselves look ridiculous at this point. Yeah, I think the world already knows that a certain area of this country is the way that it, they are, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So there's nothing new there. Yeah. You know, you're not reinventing the wheel with showing us that there are a lot of backwards people in the South. Yeah. yeah. Like, it felt a little more edited for thematic sake a little bit. Like, there's obvious insert shots and stuff like that where it just kind of felt a little less genuine, I yeah. think. Yeah, I get what you mean. The funniest part about this is watching one of my family members who fully in, in the cult, who loved the first Borat movie, completely being pissed off and mad about this movie. And just, it goes with your thing that he's just parodying something. Yeah, he's know. parodying a parody. Yeah. Yeah. And just to see that I don't think that family member really got the first movie. Right. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, it's mainly what seeing that reaction to the second movie got me. It's like, oh, I don't think he got the uh, satire or parody or whatever the first movie was. <laughs> it's like people that are pissed off about Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> <laughs> I had another family member I told that story that had an evil empire poster and yelled at me that I never told them Rage Against the Machine was political. <laughs> what sort of machine did you think they were talking about? I think the the beauty of the first Borat movie was we were in the 2000s and we thought that as a, a country we had come pretty far on race relations mm. or like we'd like to think that we had. And that was kind of a stark contrast. It was kind of a kick in the balls. Like, yeah, you, you think you have, but not really. Yeah. I mean, 2006 is a long time ago. Not mm-hmm. I mean, not even just chronologically. I mean, it is 14 years ago, but just it's pre, pre-Facebook, pre really, pre-Twitter. I exactly. Mean, we're inundated with the shit that he's shining a light on to every single day, if you want to, now that there's a whole new Facebook for white supremacists. <laughs> That's like, true. So, that just sprung up out of nowhere. Yeah. I really didn't have high expectations for this one just because it has been 14 years. And I think Sasha Baron Cohen is a comic genius in his own right. But like how many movies have worked? How many com- comedy sequels have worked with that much distance in between the first and the second one? None, really. I look at Dumb and Dumber 2, right? That Dumb movie. Two, Anchorman 2. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's a better comic figure than say Jim Carrey or, or Will Ferrell, um, you know, I mean, arguably, I mean, sure. you, you might think they're differently. I have certain feelings towards Jim Carrey that we might get to later in this month. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for that. But yeah, I, I don't think it doesn't work. It just is unnecessary, really. It's touched upon already. Yeah, it's it's a in a sea of, of sameness, really, more than anything. But yeah. And then I yeah, watched this piece. <laughs> well, yeah, so that's better. <laughs> that's yeah. a little more jolly. So we watched our usual. We watched Home Alone. We watched Home Alone 2. We watched Santa Claus. We watched Christmas Chronicles 2, which was terrible. Besides Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell being Santa. That that fits. <laughs> I watched the first Christmas Chronicles with my father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell is like a really loud Santa. Yeah. He's you very like in your the face. Second one? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, he's yeah. just very in your face. Most Santa Claus historically are very, you know laid back and you know just kind of like pushing the character the the protagonist to do what needs to be done you know Mm -hmm. just kind of giving that soft shove but no kurt russell he's very yeah he's very loud and he lets you know that he is santa claus (laughs) what else did we watch we watched klaus we watched the netflix animated feature klaus really good oh it's great i'm a very big fan of klaus okay if you haven't seen it you have netflix check it out Yep. It's really heartfelt and a touching story. And J.K. Simmons is Santa Claus in that one. So that's, that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> what are the chances that I cry? 
Ooh. There's a non-zero chance that you cry. A non-zero chance. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to report back to you on that. Yeah. I almost cut some onions watching it the first time. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm excited. I need a good cry yeah. this year. I haven't <laughs> cried once. I need it. And that's it, really. I'm sure there's some others that I forgot about, but those were the the most important ones that we needed to touch upon. But this week, as we mentioned, first week of 25 Days of Christmas, and this week was Dan's pick, and we we got there. We finally we got a movie. Took some tries, but we finally got there. So Dan, why don't you introduce this week's movie? Sure. So I wanted to choose Home Alone 3, but it's technically not a Christmas movie from what we discussed. It, I think it takes place either before or after Christmas. So we skipped on that. And we came to the agreement of Four Christmases starring Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon. Yep. Had you ever seen this before? I had not. I'd seen bits and pieces. I, I remember specifically Vince Vaughn's first family, the Robert Duvall, the father. Yeah. It, I think it played heavily in the trailer, too, yeah. if I remember correctly. And, I mean, that scene was enough to tell me that I shouldn't watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I've seen enough. What about you, Mark? Where are you coming from with yeah. four I have, I have not seen this movie. It's in that wheelhouse of Christmas movies. Like, It just felt like it was just that era of Vince Vaughn that it was like, oh, it's just going to be dominated by him more than it'll be any kind of Christmas movie. So um, that's why I avoided it. And I was not wrong about this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically it. Apparently, my sister loves this movie because I said, oh, yeah, I'm watching for Christmas. She's like, oh, that movie's awesome. So I don't know why it has never come up in my family until I decided to watch it for this podcast. Gotcha. Yeah. So I've seen this once before. It was some other Christmas season when we actually still had cable. I think it was like on demand for free. They're like, oh, let's just put this on. It's free. And this is a weird decade for christmas movies this 2000 ish era movies got meaner more mean-spirited louder obnoxious just all those great words that you love to call a movie jingle all the way fred claus this movie christmas with the cranks christmas with the cranks all those movies fall into that same this is barely a christmas movie it's mean everybody's unlikable there's probably going to be a character turn at the end that feels a little undeserved and no <laughs> one's going to come out of this movie happy. Well, that's Vince Vaughn's calling card. Yeah. Oh yeah, right? he's completely Vince Vaughn in this. He's doing yeah. that. He's doing that fast talk, sort of charismatic but kind of an asshole sort of thing throughout yeah. the whole thing. So you remember how we would always talk about how there were two actors who when you hired them you were just getting that actor. Mm-hmm. So it was one was Sean Connery. And yep. one was Jack Nicholson. You hire them. You're not getting a different character. You're getting Jack Nicholson and Sean Connery. So they worked years and years and years to get to, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they earned that. Vince Vaughn, I think, feels that he's earned that, <laughs> but he hasn't earned that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a weird, <laughs> like I said, 2000s are a weird time, I think, in general, because I mean, it's it, Wedding Crashers at work, right? And that was the same era. I don't know. Maybe I haven't watched that movie in a while. Maybe it doesn't really work in that movie. We're just post 9-11. We just needed that. (laughs) Well, no, I think it did work in that movie because those two characters were supposed to be obnoxious. Right. He rode that wave, Mm -hmm. whereas Owen Wilson kind of decided to try to be different people in movies. Vince Vaughn was just like, nope, I'm going all in on this. The breakup, couple's retreat. The interns, he was like, no, I'm just riding this douchebag wave. Yep. 
It worked for old school. Let me try and do a dozen old schools. Yeah, that was the beginning of it. Yes. I think, yeah, this movie and all those other Christmas movies that you mentioned, it really tried to show that, like, families are not perfect. But everyone knows that no family is, you know, sunshine and rainbows during Christmas. But they're also not at each other's throats constantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, not in my family, at least. So yeah. I guess like all of those movies, Christmas with the Cranks, this movie, Jingle All the Way, like everyone's at each other's throats in those movies. And like all the neighbors are shitty or you go to the store and everyone's shitty. I'm Generally, when I've gone to the store or I've gone looking for places, neighbors, everyone has been perfectly cordial to each other during Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know they- who this is aimed at. Yeah, this whole movie, I felt, was somebody came up with four different ideas for Christmas family movies and just decided to put it all in one movie. Like, we you, you could have made a movie out of each of these families, you know, like a separate full movie. It would have been terrible and it would have been worth doing. But I just felt that the whole premise of the reason why they didn't want to have kids or get married or anything is because of their families. When I felt it might have been more like, hey, maybe... We get how shitty it is to have a family like this. Maybe we could make a better family. You know, sort of thing would have probably been the way I think normal people would have reacted to this. But it doesn't work because you need that whole, like Ant was saying, you need that character turn at the end of the movie and all that stuff. And that doesn't work if they're already coming from the positive place. The only thing that I got from this film is that Reese Witherspoon was the only one that showed a little bit of acting chops at moments in this. The scene in the car and then the scene with Christian Chenoweth right after. So I was like, oh, okay, this is like those moments in normal Christmas movies that we get. And then we immediately go right to Vince Vaughn trying to do his thing with Robert Duvall, who had completely checked out <laughs> at this point and uh, completely ruined that moment. But yeah, that's what it felt like is they had Somebody, some writers or these writers, it was a team, I didn't I didn't get a chance to look it up, had four ideas for Christmas movies and then just decided, oh, why don't we just do one? The only good joke in it to me that made me chuckle was the book ending of the thing with the newscast at, at the beginning and at the end, having having that happen to them twice. I'm like, aha, that's, that's, that's a pretty good bit because I'm, I'm always a sucker for callbacks to things. But it also makes no sense why they did what they did at the end of the movie after going through everything they went through. They didn't learn their lesson. Exactly. No. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to mention, that's why Reese Witherspoon is an Academy Award-winning actress, because yeah. she shows that acting chops. But I just also want to mention, apparently Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn hated each other on set. It's all his fault, guaranteed. Oh, I'm sure it is, because apparently she's... You know, she's a professional actress. She's there early. She's in the in the makeup chair on time. And she wanted to run run scenes with him and make sure blocking was everything. And he comes in late, looking like he's been out all night. And he's yep. and at heart he's an ad lib. So a lot of his his dialogue was ad libbed. That's not that's not what she does. That's and, why you can tell that emotion came out in the scene she gets to yell at him for being an awful person. Mm. <laughs> yeah, just releasing three weeks of filming onto him. Apparently, like, the sex scene was supposed to be, like, more intense, and she was just, like, not having it. Uh, Again, because she's a 10 and he's a 2, so... (laughs) Also, that is one thing. Every woman in this movie is head over heels in love with him. Yeah. I mean, I know they're cougars. Right. Yeah, that's the whole gimmick with her family. Yeah. But it, it doesn't play with this. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who would be better for the Vince Vaughn role for that. I would even say John Favreau. Oh, yes, especially yeah. roided out John yes. Favreau in this movie. Yeah, that 
that makes way more sense. Th- those roles should have been reversed. John Favreau should have been the husband. Vince Vaughn should have been the douchey redneck brother. So Four Christmases from 2008 is directed by Seth Gordon, who before this directed one movie, The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, an excellent documentary if you haven't watched it before. About, That's a big jump. Yeah, it's crazy. But I guess Vince Vaughn loved the documentary and he wanted this guy to direct this movie. So then he went on to direct Horrible Bosses, Identity Thief, and Baywatch, as well as episodes of Parks and Rec, Community, The Office, and The Goldbergs. I mean, those are decent mid-level comedies of the past 15 years. Yeah. Not bad. The cast boasts five Oscar winners, all four parents and Reese Witherspoon. Speaking of which, stars Vince Vaughn, Reese Witherspoon, Robert Duvall, Mary Steenburgen, Sissy Spacek, John Voight, John Favreau, Dwight Yoakam, Tim McGraw, Kristen Chenoweth, and Katie Mixon. Has an IMDb score of 5.7 and a Rotten Tomato score of 25%. Budget, $80 million. That's a lot. But box office made $120 million. Made its money back and then some. You gotta pay for all those Oscar winners, man. Yeah. I'm sure that's a, a lot of it has to do with the cast just getting those paychecks. Yeah, Robert Duvall doesn't come cheap. <laughs> <laughs> you got probably John Favreau on the cheap, right? I would assume so. This yeah, is 2008, so this is pre... This pre is Pre-Iron Man. So they probably shot this before... Oh, yeah. Iron Man came out, but after they shot it. Because this came out in November, and I, I think Iron Man probably came out in May. So, yeah. yeah. They got a cheap one for that. And, and he, like I said, he looks jacked in this movie. It, it, to me, it's incredible that he was an actor. I mean, he's turned out so many good movies as a director yeah. that you forget... He started as, you know, he was Vince Vaughn's like right-hand man in movies for the most part. Swingers. Yeah. 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 I'm also trying to figure out the timeline too, because I was trying to think back to Iron Man and what he looked like in Iron Man. I think he was always stocky. He's a stocky yeah. guy. Yeah. But now I think he's just gone on the bigger scale. Right. Yeah. I wasn't sure if he was like as stocky, because like here he's, I mean, maybe they got some padding, but he looks huge in the shredded sort of way. He's got the, uh, the tap out gear on. Yeah. And yeah, he's a big guy in this. Yeah, and I guess you could afford all those Oscar winners when you hire two country singers to be in this movie. <laughs> hey, I will say the one thing. Dwight Yoakam is one of the more <laughs> uh, the better performances of this movie. Yes, I agree on everything. I thought they were going to do more with him, though, because then he just kind of falls into the backgrounds. Like, you th- like I thought he was going to be, like, super sleazy. So he just winds up at, like, the fourth dinner, and he's just there. So it's never, like... Like, you think, like, he's just, like, starting flirting with all the girls and some of the parishioners. It's obvious that he's, like, fucking a lot of them or something like that. Maybe there was, like, a two and a half hour cut where he was doing that. I, I was going to say, I think this movie was packed enough as is. Yeah. But I thought that was going to be a storyline where Mary Steenburgen was, like, in love with this guy. And this guy was obviously a sleaze bag. Okay. Yeah, I, that works for sure. It kind of skirts the Christmas theme, I guess. Yeah. There's not really a Christmas theme in this movie, though. There isn't. No. Right. It's just like our families are all shitty. That's yep. the Christmas theme. Yeah. It could really be any any holiday. Yeah. I, yeah. You could definitely interchange Thanksgiving, Easter. New Year's. Yeah. New Year's for sure. I felt really bad for Sissy Spacek because her section was the worst section in the entire movie. <laughs> Yeah, that was a rough one. I mean, this whole movie is pretty rough, though, yeah. to be yeah. honest. Now, this movie, it kind of hit home a little bit, just a little bit for me, because as Mark had mentioned earlier, they were okay with not being married. 
and not having kids. And I'm totally okay with that. I'm, I think that's awesome. And they both agreed on it. It wasn't just Vince Vaughn being the typical guy like me saying, I don't want kids because, you know, they're expensive and blah, blah, blah. We just want to have fun. And she agrees with that, right? As it's shown early in the yes. movie. So they're both okay with that. And then out of nowhere, she does a complete 180 and like, now I want kids and springs it on him and gets angry at him that he reacts like, where is this coming from? And I get that because if my wife and I had that kind of understanding, we're like, no, you know, we're cool. We're just going to, we're going to be married. We're not going to have kids. We're just mm-hmm. going to go wherever we want, do whatever we want, sleep till normal hour. It's going to be yeah. great. And then one day she just springs it on me. And then decides to get angry that I'm like, whoa, hold on. Where is this coming from? Yeah. So that's the only problem with this movie. Not I, the only. <laughs> I agree with you. But she says, I understand we've had this agreement and I'm the one changing the rules now. So I understand if this isn't what you want anymore. I think she's more angry at him that he refuses to talk about it. Yes. Because he's so it, acting like the asshole. Like, uh, let's go to Fiji. You know, let's just do that. Just trying to change the subject without actually having a conversation with the person. But again, if you're Kate, Reese Witherspoon's character, the first family you go to is his family, his father. And you see his brothers suck, his father sucks, his nephew sucks. There's a good chance that your kid's going to suck. Because Vince Vaughn, that's all he knows. That's how he was raised, by a shitty dad. I will also say that 2008 was a different time in terms of perspectives about adult couples that had no intentions of getting married or having kids. Yes. I think that was, a, it was more acceptable or it was becoming more acceptable. Right. But it hadn't gotten there yet. Right. Now so it's kind of like full blown. If you don't want to do it, good for you. Yeah. This this movie does have a message of, well, you you can never be complete as a family without having kids. There is yes. definitely an underlying theme of that. It was like, yeah, sure, the, these two are selfish. They're just living for themselves. And that's the reason why they don't want kids. And then she starts seeing him with the kid, and he start, she starts feeling those those motherly feels, which is also probably a little dated. And, yeah. and this movie kind of turns that around because it's 2008. If it was 2020, 2018, maybe the, the message is different. Maybe they just get married because, you know, I love you. Yeah, but we don't necessarily have to have kids. We'll get a dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, but again, that's more of a now situation. If Four Christmases came out in 2019, maybe you have that. Exactly. I blame her 1000% because terrible timing, terrible timing. You're running through the gauntlet of your family's just being overbearing. Vince Vaughn's character almost had his arm dislocated from his shoulder, right? He fell off the roof and then all these other, he's getting hit on by older women it's just you're running the gauntlet here right now is not the time to bring up having a child you wait till after the holidays man you go you take your trip take your trip to fiji and then like hey listen i think it's time to take the next step that's when you don't do it when the guy's getting shit on i will also say that she just witnessed him not know a damn thing about her too in a game of taboo yeah we're gonna get to that because i have a i have a bone to pick with that scene (laughs) yeah we'll get to it but we don't want to go all in right here. All right, so let's get into the plot. Dan, what do you got for us? Sure. So if you listen to us, you know that we like to advocate for our friend Tia and her Top 10 with Tia podcast. It is a weekly podcast where Tia and her friends get together and they discuss Top 10 lists. So Top 10 Christmas movies, Top 10 actors, Top 10 Star Wars moments. She does a whole bunch of different lists. They're all great. Her guests are great. Her friends are great. 
go check it out. You can follow her on Twitter at TC underscore Stark. And yeah, I think that's it. Okay. And we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, we're going to listen to some messages from friends of the podcast. We will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points are a companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you could tell him about the time I kicked your ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back. And now it's time to get into the plot of Four Christmases. We open on a fancy bar circa 2000s, where we got lots of chrome, lots of blue. We have Reese Witherspoon looking like her Academy Award winning hot self sitting there minding her own business at a bar when Vince Vaughn comes in and ruins her quiet moment. He plays a dorky. She tells him off, basically tell him he's too nice for her. She wants a bad boy. So she goes to leave and Vince Vaughn grows a pair of balls and calls her a bitch in the middle of the club. And then she reacts not the way you would think. So they fuck in the bathroom and they go back to her place and we find out that they're together and this was some sort of weird role play situation for them. I was worried that this was going to open with, like, Vince Vaughn's character being someone that watched the uh, pickup artist videos <laughs> or read his book and right. then proved that that's how you get the woman in this movie. So as bad as it was what it turned out to be, I was like, oh, okay, it wasn't that dumb. Like, they weren't trying to make that statement in this movie. Right. I mean, that was the right time for it, though. It was, like, right around, yeah. I hope they serve beer in hell when the things like that were popular. Yep, yep. mystery. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're glorifying these sociopaths and big fuzzy hats. <laughs> what was the name of that TV show? It was like VH1. Oh, right? yeah. It was basically like some Tommy Lee Jones looking guy trying to get nerds to pick up you hot mean, chicks. You mean Tommy Lee guy? Oh, yeah, not Tommy Lee Jones. He's not <laughs> hot at all. It's Tommy Lee's much better looking than Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> I think it was just called The Pickup Artist. The Pickup Artist? Yeah. Starring Mystery, yeah. Is that, oh, that was the actual guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. But yeah. so 2000. Yep. <laughs> kind of looked like Tommy Lee, a little bit of Chris Angel Chris Mind Freak. <laughs> he had the Jamiroquai hat. Yeah. He was a mystery, I guess. <laughs> he didn't know what the hell he was doing. Yeah. He's Canadian. And he's got this little soul patch. Ugh, the oh. worst. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, if I'm on that show and I walk in and I see a guy with a soul patch, I'm like, this is bullshit. I'm not taking love advice from this guy. Now I'm going through a uh, a pickup artist Wikipedia rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if, if you uh, listeners out there have mystery on your bingo card for people mentioned on this podcast, feel free to check that off. <laughs> I win. 
And then we cut to them. They are in some sort of dance class with a bunch of other couples. After the class, they talk with some of the other couples, and the other couples ask when they're getting married. And then Vince Vaughn does his whole fast-talking thing where he awkwardly shits talk people to their face and makes them feel like shit, but charmingly, I suppose. We find out that Brad and Kate are not married and don't plan on getting married anytime soon. And then at some sort of office party, they basically have the same exact scene, but with people at work. So they tell Kevin from the office and Deputy Jones from Reno 911 that they're going to Fiji for Christmas. This is after Kevin and Deputy Jones complain about doing their happily married Christmases together. And they tell their family that they're going to do charity work is what we find out. Kate and Brad get out of going to Christmas. So cut to Christmas Day, and they're packing to go to Fiji. And his dad, I guess, calls, or his mom, I don't even remember. He says they're going to Burma. So they pack and they head to the airport, but they're actually going to Fiji because they're inoculating children or something like that. <laughs> Burma's a war zone, though, last I heard. <laughs> I don't know. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so they go to the airport, and we are in San Francisco. So the fog rolls in, and all flights get canceled. Ticket agent tells them that no flights are getting in or coming out. And then Vince Vaughn does that shit-talking thing again to the Dirt Bike Kid's own Peter Billingsley. Second movie. We could have said the Christmas story. Nope. Because we haven't covered the Christmas Christmas story. We've covered the Dirt Bike Kid. (laughs) Who's also, he's a producer on this movie as well. Because he produces all of John Favreau's things. He was also an elf. Yep, he's also an elf. He was a producer on Dinner for Five, John Favreau's show from IFC back in the 2000s. Remember that? Writing that Christmas story money. To and he, oh, yeah. I think movies. he's in Iron Man as well. He's one of the... Uh, he's in Iron Man. He's in Far From Home. Far From Home. That's right. He's one of the, the scientists at yep. Stark Industry. Yes, he is. Riding those coattails. Good for him. Yeah. Seems like a nice I, guy. I would, I would happily trade places with him. He was in the Dirt Bike Kid. Even better, right? <laughs> Claim to fame, Dirt Bike Kid. Do you think he gets residuals for a 24-hour Christmas story? <laughs> on a constant loop him sitting back laughing at the tv yes yes Just... we six more dollars yes <laughs> it, that's his oh who the guy from the mets bobby bonilla <laughs> bobby that's his bobby bonilla day so then a news report reporter shows up and tries to interview them about their travel plans and then vince vaughn freezes up and makes reese witherspoon do all the talking and then Suddenly, Kate gets a call from her mom, who saw her on the news. Brad gets a call from his dad, saying the same thing. So then they commit to seeing both of their parents as they are divorced, hence the name of the movie Four Christmases. First stop, it's Brad's dad's house, out in the California desert, where we meet Brad's dad, Robert Duvall, and his twin brothers, Denver and Dallas, which are played by a roided-up John Favreau and Tim McGraw for some reason. We find out that Brad's real name is Orlando, named after the place that he was conceived. And then, I believe this... The woman is Denver's wife, right? Uh, John Favreau's wife. It's John Favreau's wife. I've randomly seen walking by the TV while living here is apparently on a show called American Housewife. Yes. She also played <laughs> Kenny Powers, <laughs> the love interest in Eastbound and Down. Yep. Katie Mixon. That's, that's what I know her best yeah. as. Yeah. So Denver's wife, Katie Mixon, comes in and offers some Ritz and spray cheese. So Brad cracks wise about it. So Denver gets Brad in an MMA arm lock and Brad screams for an extended period of time before Denver basically humps Brad's head and then lets him go. <laughs> really annoying moment. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, but wait, whole, there's more. <laughs> the whole scene is super obnoxious. And again, this was the the scene I had first saw. I'm like, yeah, I don't need any more of this. And if you thought that that was all we we're going to have from MMA, just wait, there's more. <laughs> Lay it on us. Yeah. Ground and pound us. <laughs> Kate and Brad go into a back room and she gets mad at him for never telling her his real name, which that is a weird thing to never 
you know that that's like sort of like a funny story thing it's like oh i have some you know you know tell me a story it's tell me something i i don't know i'll tell you something yeah you're like oh my real name is orlando it's a funny story it's where i was conceived you know i can understand why someone would hide that not from someone that you're in a serious relationship with though uh, okay i mean but it's embarrassing i would do it you've never told jen anything embarrassing in your life I mean, most of my life has been pretty embarrassing, so she would have found out by now. I mean, she already knows your nickname. That's true, yes. She knows I... the story behind your nickname, too, right? <laughs> yeah, but I think that I didn't, like, proudly tell her, hey, want to hear my high school nickname? I'm not oh. saying you need. he needs to, pr- to proudly say his name was Orlando. It just never came up. Huh? That's possible. And he's not lying to her. He's just omitting I think the truth. I think it's an lie of omission. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, uh, yeah, you know, it never came up. I didn't see a reason to tell you. I don't know. I think it's weird. I think it's shady as fuck. He didn't have a dual identity. I don't know. I just, I find it weird. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. If Lynn told me her name wasn't really Lynn, it was like Dolores. I'd be, <laughs> that's like super weird that you haven't told me that. But, but you wouldn't get angry, would you? I don't know if I'd get angry, and I don't think she gets super angry. I think she gets, like, kind of taken aback. Okay, so, all right, so you wouldn't be furious. You would just be like, oh. No, I'm not going to punch my fist through a wall about it. But I'm (laughs) going to feel like this. (laughs) Like, that's super weird that you haven't told me yet, that your name happens to be something that isn't Lynn. (laughs) I I don't know how I take it, to be honest. (laughs) And in the scene, she also tells him that he needs to stand up to himself in front of his brothers. So they go out to the living room to open presents, and he tells his brothers to take it down a notch. I mean, he's a grown man. They can't be wrestling anymore. So his brothers beat him up again, and then Tim McGraw taps in his cu- his nephews, right? These yes. aren't Tim yeah. McGraw. Vince Vaughn's nephew. For some reason, during the opening cre- opening of the present scene, it seemed like Tim McGraw was their dad, because he's, like, sitting I, I, with them. I think it's one of each. Yeah, one of each, right? Because one of the presents the kid opens is the flashlight. Right. Okay. And that was Tim McGraw's, McGraw's kid. kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then the other one shows up at Sissy Spacek's house later. Okay, right. yeah. I guess because the kid that has the flashlight, we never see him again after that, right? Yeah, nope. It's just weird not. because Katie Mixon is the one that says, oh, he'll be back. So because oh, right. that's not her kid, but well, maybe they live there. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not uh, entirely sure. So he gets beat up by the kid, his nephews, and then one of them tells him to Google him, which might be a thing that people said in 2008. I don't really remember. They did it in that the one movie we watched, uh, The Goods, right? Yeah. Doesn't Ed Helms' character tell the other characters to Google him? Yeah. I mean, he says that as like a thing, like, oh, you should Google me because you could see uh, things about me. But right. like this kid's saying it as like an insult. <laughs> oh, Google that's me, true. Bitch. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And no it's... one ever dropped that as a line. Yeah. As far as I know. <laughs> Not that I've ever heard. Right. <laughs> no one told me to Google them in college. Yeah. So it's gift giving time. And apparently there was a $10 spending limit that Brad and Kate didn't know about. And they wound up getting one of the kids an Xbox. Meanwhile, Denver got one of his kids a flashlight. So the kid responds by stripping out of his clothes and climbing out the window. It's like an eerie, like an eerie look into my future. Here here you go, Dan (laughs) Jr. Here's a flashlight. (laughs) (laughs) And that kid is never seen again for the rest of the movie. I gotta say, we're 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 into this plot, and you explaining the scenes are making me laugh more than actually watching the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> then his dad opens his gift, and Brad got him a satellite dish. His dad gets mad about it and refuses to let someone install it, so he tells Brad and his brothers to go to the roof, and they're going to install it themselves. Meanwhile, Kate is in the kitchen with Susan, played by Katie Mixon, talking about children and breastfeeding, and then 
Susan hands Kate to hold the baby so they can make some food. This is the first baby that Kate gets handed, and it comes up again. She gets to just get ha- handed every baby in this movie. <laughs> so on the roof, Brad's dad talks about how his mother was nothing but a common whore. Brad tells him that she left him because he stopped talking to her. And then Brad sets up the satellite dish, and dad goes to see the picture on the TV. He's adjusting it, but can't get a great picture. So they yell at each other while he adjusts it, because everybody yells in this movie. And then eventually the satellite dish breaks off, and Brad goes flying off the roof while holding the satellite dish. As Brad falls, the cord from the satellite to the television starts to pull through the house, breaking shit as it gets tighter and tighter. The wire goes taut and stops Brad from falling off the roof, but then the wire gives. He falls off the roof, the television smashes and starts to fire in the house. Meanwhile, during the chaos, Kate winds up smacking the baby's head against the wall, and the baby unconsolably cries. And then we're off. House number two. Just chaos that was supposed to be funny. Was... Yeah, it's just a lot of pratfalls and just yeah. a lot of loudness. I think just in my old age, just like loud things just bother me. Yeah, I can't imagine that have being fun in theater right. when it first came out either, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know. You know who would have liked that? My dad, just because <laughs> Robert Duvall was in it. <laughs> like, oh, this is great. Robert Duvall's in it. Like, dad, just because Robert Duvall is in a movie now doesn't mean that it's a, it's good. Oh, so, so that's where you get it from. He's like, oh, but he's Tom, he's Tom and the Godfather. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He would always, like, same thing with De Niro. Like, oh, come on, man. He, How bad could it be? He was in Raging Bull. Like, no, he did Dirty Grandpa. <laughs> Doing Raging Bull does not forgive that. <laughs> I think he just did Bad Grandpa just so he could be on screen having sex with Aubrey Plaza. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> I would take that bad uh, Rotten Tomato score just for that chance. <laughs> right. House number two is Kate's mom's house, which is waspy, upper middle class with a Jesus statue in the front. Kate says that her mom has made it into some sort of cougar den, quote unquote. And then Kate's mom is played by Mary Steenburgen, named Marilyn. We also have Carol Kane as an aunt who is uncredited in this movie, surprisingly. We get Colleen Camp as another one who you might know as Yvette from Clue. And for some reason, all the women are attracted to Vince Vaughn, like, really hard. And then they meet up with Courtney, who is Kate's sister, right? Yes. yes. Kristen Chenoweth. Little Kristen Chenoweth. And one of the weirdest inside jokes of all time. So Kristen Chenoweth's character, Courtney, is m- married to a guy named Jim. Jim doesn't have any lines in this movie, but he is introduced while he's playing, like, a Wii or a Wii U. I think and it's the Wii. I think it's the Wii. So Jim is played by Steve Wiebe who is busy playing a Wii, and he is the star of King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, and held the Donkey Kong high score at one point. <laughs> Wait, that's him? That's him. Yeah. Get out of here. Nope. Yeah. What a weird cameo. Yep. Nobody nobody would know it unless you did research on this, but that is that is former Donkey Kong high score champ Steve Wiebe. What's the is point he... of that? The sad is... sack guy you love in King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters. Yeah, because he probably got paid below scale, I would imagine, for a non-speaking I'm, role. <laughs> I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure he, you know, became friends with the director, as we said. The director yeah. is the director of King Kong, Fistful of Quarters. Like, oh, why don't you come in and play play this role for me? That is so uh, weird. It's odd, right? <laughs> but like the whole thing that he's also play he's playing video games while while he says no no lines, which is just like <laughs> it's like I, there's a little wink and a nod to the to the audience that nobody's going to get. Do, do you think perfect gamer dad and that the baby just rests sort of in a little cradle to where he can still play the video game? <laughs> do you think he doesn't have lines on purpose or just that he was God awful at delivering his lines? I'm sure. I'm sure he had minimal lines because he wasn't an actor. Yeah. 
that's what I'm thinking. It was just like, all right, well, you're not really good at this. Play to your strengths and just play video games. Yeah. So Courtney talks about how when they were younger, they used to torture Kate and used to call her Cootie Kate. And they all go around the room and talk about what sort of gifts they would like to give. Grandma says she wants to give Grandpa more blowjobs. Courtney <laughs> wants to have another baby. Is that what we have in store for us, guys? Is that <laughs> is that going to be like our families at one point? I mean, if it means more blowjobs. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want my, you know, my son or daughter's significant other hearing about that. No, uh, not at all. I want to give Dan more blowjobs. Okay. Okay, Mom, time to go to bed. <laughs> Courtney says that she wants to have another baby. And Courtney gives Kate her baby to hold for a second. The baby throws up all over her. Brad freaks out, dry heaving, and screaming about how he's going to throw up and she needs to get away from him. Classic loud obnoxiousness. So Kate goes to get washed. Courtney brings her a change of clothes, and Kate gets mad because she talked about how she was called Cootie Kate. Courtney says that if she and Brad love each other, they wouldn't have secrets from each other. Courtney also mentions how she slept with the entire water polo team and that her husband experimented with men. Just a couple of little... Little notes for us. It doesn't come up any in any sort of way. Uh, after Courtney leaves, Kate then noses through Courtney's bag and decides to start playing with a breast pump and then decides to use one of her pregnancy tests just for shits and giggles, as one does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. You've never done it? <laughs> Meanwhile, downstairs, Brad is force-fed cookies while they show him pictures of Kate from when she was a kid, which is a bit homophobic and definitely fat-shaming. Yep. Because <laughs> Kate used to be a little overweight, and she her only friend was... It was a stereotyped lesbian. A butch lesbian. Yeah. Yes. And they all make fun of her. Yep. It's, again... Oh, that's their only friend. <laughs> we're only going back 10 years here. Mm. Perfectly fine. Yep. That was rampant in Hollywood. Yep. Fat shaming the fat friend, man. Yeah. Everyone did it. After she takes the pregnancy test, her niece comes in and takes the pregnancy test and runs away with it, thinking it's a magic marker. She hides it in a bounce house similar to where Kate was tortured as a child. So she goes inside and gets the shit beat out of her by a bunch of kids. You know what was weird about that scene? The daughter comes in and says, there's a rule in the house, no magic markers. Was that a weird rule or is that just me? If it's a kid, I could see there being a rule of, you're not allowed to play with magic markers because you're going to draw on all my shit and I'm not going to be able to get it out. Okay, so it, it is kind of just me then because I, I heard that. And no one had ever told me no magic markers as a kid, but all right. So I get where you're coming from. Maybe that kid is a piece of shit. And yeah. Clearly they're going to just scribble on the fine china or the walls. Mm -hmm. And we can't have that because everything here is like sacred to them. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's, it's your aunt. She should, she's smart enough to be able to hold a magic marker. Right. Quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, at some point, it just because she just runs off with it, not because she's not allowed to have a magic marker. It's more like she recognizes that Kate wants it, and she's just being a dick. It sh it shouldn't have gone down like that because one, why does the daughter just burst into the bathroom? Good you know question. What I'm saying it should have been like Kate just like loses track of it by accident. You know, something comes up and she's like rushing and she leaves it somewhere for the daughter to find. I think yes. that plays better. Probably. Definitely. Yeah, and then the uh, whole scene coming up inside the bounce house is just, it ends with a uh, I'm not trapped in here, you're trapped in here with me sort of yeah. scene when she zips it up and she's yeah. just like throwing kids around. Yeah, that was my favorite scene of the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon just going ham on a bunch of children. <laughs> I, I, I told Jen, she the line should have been now you can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> and then Come Together starts to play. 
so she takes a minute and after she gets thrown out and goes back and beats up a bunch of kids then anise starts to climb the inside of the balance house and puts the magic marker quote unquote aka the pregnancy test in her mouth and tells her niece that she peed on that marker the niece spits it back out and kate catches it it is a really long time of that reaction yeah. shot of that little girl <laughs> damage was already done though it's in your mouth so Kate gets the pregnancy test back from her niece and she reads it and they hide the reveal from us of whether or not it was positive or negative. So Kate goes to talk to her mom, but her mom tells her that they'll have to wait because they're going to church now and they can't be late. At a church, Dwight Yoakam gives the best performance of the film as evangelical preacher Pastor Dan. The cut in with that song, it's just, that was great. So Pastor Dan announces the congregation and mentions that they were supposed to have a couple of people play Joseph and Mary in a play of the birth of Jesus, but they needed replacement volunteers. So Kate's mom volunteers Kate to play Mary, and then Kate volunteers Brad to play Joseph. So they go backstage. Someone hands Kate another baby who's playing Jesus, and she kind of likes this baby because he's cute, I guess. Kate's getting really into the baby and getting all those baby feels while Brad concentrates on his lines as Joseph. He's not paying attention to her or the baby. On stage, they perform the first Christmas, but Kate gets flustered when she can't find the swallow cloth. So Brad starts to overperform and ad-lib as Kate gets nervous. It turns out Brad had the swaddle cloth on his belt. So he upstages Kate and turns Joseph into the hero of the first Christmas. And the congregation eats it up. Yeah, they just make the Virgin Mary look like a piece of shit in this whole situation. Vince Vaughn overreacting? No way. And the congregation eats it up. Brad's really enjoying the spotlight. And then we move on to Christmas number three. We're only at the third one, goddammit. <laughs> This one happens pretty quickly, though. Yeah. This one, they kind of gloss over this one. But it's also a nightmare. <laughs> so Christmas 3, Sissy Spacek plays Paula, Brad's mom. Paula is sleeping with Daryl, one of Brad's childhood friends. And we have a mini Swingers reunion as Patrick Van Horn, who plays Daryl, was also in Swingers. Played Sue. They play Taboo, and Dallas and his wife are there. Paula and Daryl can't help but talk sexually in front of Brad, and he freaks out about it. Rightfully so. Understanding, yeah. 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 Dallas and his wife completely dominate everybody else while Dallas never drops his chicken wings. That's <laughs> such a good stare from John Favreau as he's eating the chicken wings. Yeah. He's very intense in this it's... movie. It works. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing where Dallas and the wife, they like dominate and taboo. Like, oh, because they know so much about each other. But it's like really stupid stuff. Like, what's this, like your screensaver and stuff like that doesn't necessarily mean you have a good relationship. If you look how they live, it's terrible. I think that speaks more than just, oh, I know certain things about you, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We didn't get a full-length Dallas and his wife movie. Or Denver. Is this? I don't even remember. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. John Favreau. <laughs> yeah. Tim McGraw is barely in this movie, so they could. They really could have just had one brother. brother. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, there's really no reason to have the brother, right? You just have John Favreau in it. They, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't want to pay Tim McGraw's uh, rate for a second day instead. I guess. Yeah. They could have paid zero <laughs> days for him on yeah. set. They right, they could have saved enough. money. They could have got another Oscar winner. So I will say that this movie was shot during the Writers Guild strike. So they were unable to make any changes to the script while they were on set. So oh, or maybe they wanted him out. I mean, this is probably the reason why it feels like a first draft. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. That is something that could that lifts right out. Tim McGraw does not need to be in this movie. I mean, there's a lot of things that don't need to be in this movie, but the fact that I can't remember which one was John Favreau, Dallas or Denver, makes me feel like Tim McGraw didn't need to be here. 
He's Denver. John Favreau's Denver. Yeah. And then Brad and Kate basically torpedo their own relationship by being terrible at Taboo. Specifically, Brad torpedoes their relationship by having a meltdown while he doesn't know anything about her. So, Dan, you wanted to mention this this moment. Yeah. I Again, I think just because you're not good at a game does not really indicate if your relationship is on the rocks or not. Because I've been with Jen for a long time. I'm sure... And I'm an idiot, all right? Not because I'm with her, obviously, but just just overall, I'm dumb. So if we're playing a game and I'm on the clock, I'm not going to get everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just because like either you know everything or you know nothing, that's not the litmus test for your relationship, in my opinion. It's really the day-to-day stuff. Mm-hmm. Again, like you, you saw how Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn, they're dancing, they're going out together. Like Obviously, there's there's that connection there. And you see Denver and his wife are living in squalor with one kid, another on the way. So that's not great. Mm -hmm. But, oh, but they know each other's favorite color. Oh, great. Well, I would say one thing. I would say that most of them are, the clues that she gives them are a bit esoteric. If it was a different, oh, it's my favorite movie. Or it's my favorite type of food. This is what I'm allergic to. Like, I think those are, it would prove the point a little bit more. So, because, like, one of them is like, oh, this is what everybody called me when everybody could see my tits on vacation. Exactly. I don't know. Maybe you didn't tell me. So it's a little bit of a draw. But also, to defend her a little bit, this is right after he just acted like a giant piece of shit in front of a congregation of people. He literally throws her under the bus. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. In front of everybody. So so I think it's painting a picture of he's so selfish. He's going to do that for his own personal satisfaction and ego in the middle of a church. Her mom's church, no less. Right. So people are obviously going to be talking about it. Yeah. And then he's going to... He obviously doesn't know a thing about her. So is this relationship completely superficial in the fact that they just have a lot of money, have sexual chemistry... And both agree, at least for the time being, that they don't want to get married and they don't want to have kids. That's true. I th- I think that does shine a little bit more. And again, I just I took it as oh we know everything about each other, so our relationship is great. Well, eh, maybe, but it it just doesn't come off that way, and it shouldn't be that shouldn't be the test for, mm-hmm. or else then everyone who's married should have taboo. I mean, this is this is a a sitcom staple. There's even an episode of Full House where. Like three couples go onto a newlywed game or something like that. Oh, that's right. I think Parks and Rec did that too. Yeah, so it's it's definitely a a trope, and there's always one one couple that you think would be terrible at it, and they're great at it, and then the other couple that thinks that they know everybody, everything about each other, is doesn't know a thing about each other. So just also real quick, this has nothing to do with the movie. I'm looking on IMDb, and there's a picture of Reese Witherspoon with Kristen Chenoweth, and Reese Witherspoon cannot look more anxious to get the fuck out of that picture. I love it. <laughs> like, why? You am think I she just person? was miserable for like four months? I think so. I mean, if this picture has anything to do with that, then yes. <laughs> when did she win the Oscar? It was like 2005-ish, right? Walk the line. Walk the line. Yeah, I was in college, so probably 04, 05. Yeah, and this was three years after. She's probably so miserable. 2005. <laughs> how the mighty have fallen yeah and she's just like what am i doing here <laughs> where, yeah, she, where is she, this in her career okay so 2008 she's in a she's in a lot of bad movies though i was gonna so. say i think she she was kind of like on the downswing 
and now she's back up. Like mm-hmm. her pendulum has kind of gone up again. She doesn't right. do a lot of movies though. It's interesting. She only she does like one movie a year, even in her like most busy. She's in Big Little Lies, which was supposed to be pretty big from what I've yep. heard. Yeah, she's done a lot of TV in the past. So she did Big Little Lies. She also did Little Fires Everywhere. Mm-hmm. You should combine that, call it Big Little Fires Everywhere. Uh, and then she did The Morning <laughs> Show, too, which was an Apple uh, Apple TV show. So past three years, she's been pretty TV heavy. She's like the Daniel Day-Lewis of women. Yeah, I think she's a good actress, I think. Yeah, I like Reese Witherspoon. She's, she's a solid actress. I, but you can just tell she's like, I really... This is where I'm at right now. Yeah, she regrets the decision. Rendition, I don't know what that is. Just Like Heaven, How Do You Know, which is that weird romantic comedy where Owen Wilson plays a baseball player. Mm. Wild. That was supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, that wasn't bad. She's got another Legally Blonde coming out. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) I could just tell. (laughs) So on the drive... Kate tells him that she took a pregnancy test and he freaks out, but then she said it was negative. And then he was just like, well, why'd you bury the lead on that, bitch? Yeah. Good good point. It's a good point. <laughs> Which I don't I, disagree. I would be pretty freaked out as well. Yeah. But she says, it made me think that maybe this is something that I actually want. She wants to have a conversation, but he shuts down the conversation entirely, saying he doesn't want anything like that. And then when they get to house number four, Kate tells him that he doesn't need to go in with her because she doesn't want to pretend there's something that they aren't. And once we said, she says that, you know, she's the one changing the rules. So she understands if he wants to leave. So Brad leaves and John Voight playing, plays Creighton, comes out. She goes in and turns out that her mom and dad have been getting along lately since Kate's niece was born. She talks with Courtney for a bit and then goes into her dad's study to be by herself for a minute. Creighton comes in and tells her that he knew she had lied the whole time about where they were going to avoid Chris, seeing them for Christmas. He tells her that he spent a lot of time of his life lying to avoid his family and that he would give anything to have that time back. They have dinner, and Pastor Dave is there too, so I guess Kate's mom is with him, but as we said, it doesn't really get fully fleshed out, and it's overall it's just a nice meal with family. Brad winds up at his dad's house. His dad gives him shit about busting up his living room and gives him shit for Kate leaving, and Brad corrects him, telling him that she wanted to start family with him, and he said he said no, so he left. His dad's proud of him, and then they go inside for a drink. It's Kate and Brad have their own moments of reflection at their respective locations, and then Brad shows up at Kate's dad's house. And he talks about how if they're going to have one kid, they may as well have two kids, and then he does the whole Vince Vaughn talk fast thing again. And then they kiss, and they make up, and they say this doesn't mean that they're going to have kids or get married right away. They're just open to it happening. Then we cut to one year later. They're having a baby, and they tell the nurse that they didn't tell their families that she was pregnant, let alone she was having a baby. It turns out they wound up having the first baby of the new year, despite how unlikely that would be, seeing as how they are in San Francisco, one of the last time zones that would hit the new year. <laughs> <laughs> we found the I didn't even hole. think of that, Ant. I, <laughs> I usually think of that shit. <laughs> so there's a news reporter that comes in and asks them how that feels, and Vince Vaughn freaks out again, and then Reese Witherspoon has to talk for him, and then the baby throws up all over Kate and Brad, and Brad has another freak out about vomit. And that's the end. The end of Four Christmases. It's a good way to end the movie. Just summarizes it perfectly. Puke. <laughs> With Vince Vaughn ren- retching. Yep. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the uh, mirror is what everyone in the theater was probably doing. <laughs> Can't believe I saw this. <gasps> yeah. Uh, this, yeah, it's not fun. It's not even, like, cute. Yeah. All right, there, you have those Christmas movies where it's like, all right, well, it's not good, but it's cute. It's a feel, it has kind of a feel-good 
message and someone learns something. No one learns anything here. Nope. For all we and for all we know, that was such a half-assed apology by Vince Vaughn. Mm-hmm. If we're gonna have one kid, we might as well have two. I'm like, well, slow your roll there, dude. I didn't say I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> You're just telling me what I want to hear now. Yeah. Like, yeah. I get I'm a super hot blonde Reese Witherspoon, but right. Yeah, she could probably. Yeah, she should probably just. You know, this was eye-opening for me. I'm gonna right. probably, you know, get season tickets to like the 49ers or something and bag me a a 49er. Right. How many more years till uh, Garoppolo comes out? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did like the the conversation Christian Chenoweth's character had, where she was like, you know, there's this dating site, you know, so and so down the street. You know, that conversation you immediately have with family. Which yeah. <laughs> when that was still, but again, that was yeah. taboo. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because like, she, oh, like, God. scoffs about that, like, and who knew, like, five years later, four years later. It's the norm. Be, yeah. Everybody I, just... I, I talk about that with people sometimes. I don't know if that annoys Jen. I'm sure it does. But I was like, man, you know, on one hand, I'm really happy that I missed out on the whole dating, like, Tinder and all that, because women would just tear me apart. <laughs> you know, like, them sitting, you know at home like this fucking guy next next but then again there's the part of you is like oh well you you want that gratification that instant gratification you know like oh they matched with me so but yeah in especially in the early 2000s or early to late 2000s that was seen as like if you're on there you're a total loser yeah yeah it always <laughs> i always talk about how it's, it always seems like i was just like right in front of all the good technology for things like that so like <laughs> Facebook in high school would have been awesome, you know? Yeah. And then Facebook came out like just as I was leaving college. And I was like, Tinder would have been awesome in college. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I left college, it was pretty much, oh, check out this Tinder. Or I think as soon as I had left college, I think like Plenty of Fish and Match were still the yeah. only game in town. And Tinder didn't probably come out for a few more years after that. But yeah, right. I mean, that's that's a college kid's dream. Yeah. It's perfect for college. And then it's probably a nightmare after that. (laughs) Exactly. I I, I know someone who is on Bumble and they would come up to me and they'll just be like, look at this guy. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like, oh my God, that would be me. That would be, you would see me and you'd be like, this guy's just weird looking. Next. As long as you have a picture holding a fish, it's fine. Right. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to get me holding a fish because I'm vegetarian and you're not going to get anything with me. With, with no shirt on because I don't I'm not big so you're you're clear there yeah just just need a photo of you petting a dog and that exactly or holding a kid or something right they like that <laughs> don't ask me <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll lie about my height I'm six three perfect <laughs> they'll never know when they see me so, so not a sub six footer yeah nope. <laughs> definitely not one of those loser sub sixers right what a bunch of dummies yeah hate them is there anything you guys would do to make this movie better? You know, it, this one was kind of a tough one to decide what would be better because th- it doesn't lend itself to any situation where it improves the movie. Or you could always, you can't get rid of any families right. because then it's not four Christmases. Right. It's hard to say, just be funnier, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, what do you get rid of a couple characters here and there? Sure. Right, because we're saying Dallas. Maybe you get rid of Tim McGraw's character, but right. does that really improve it, the movie? No, it makes it more efficient. But yeah. right, the, the characters are so bland and 
kind of just there to collect their paycheck. Mm-hmm. You can't really say, oh, this character should have done this, or maybe if Reese Witherspoon's character had done something different. Again, I'm kind of taking it as not every family is like that. And even the worst families during Christmas, I think you're just going to have that you sit amicably kind of thing. You know, like, we realize we don't like each other. Let's just get through this. See you next year. Like, no one's going to wrestle on the floor. No one's going to be up on the roof. It's just too far-fetched for me. I think if you kind of rein it in a little bit, it, it serves better as a Christmas movie in that aspect. Sure. Yeah, I, I, the thing that I was going to change was explain during the plot thing, and when you mentioned that this was during the writer's strike, because uh, my first thing was going to be like, well, I would have somebody have taken another pass at the script, you know, and just seen what to do. But it makes a lot of sense that they couldn't make any changes because the, the obvious things to make it better is just tightening it up, essentially. And I, I know the premise of the movie is four Christmases, but, you know, maybe not spend as much time at certain houses or i don't know it just it just felt like they could have done cut out stuff and expanded other things but without the ability to do that you can't really fault the writer too much because go unions it just felt like a movie that sort of missed the mark and with all these actors in it maybe give them a little bit more room to breathe but then that would just make it a really long movie that was already too long to begin with i i kind of fall in in line with dan what you were saying about there's really not anything specific that is changeable other than just saying, like I said, just make make it funnier. Go move away from that pratfall stuff. And, you know, I don't I don't even know. I, I just look at what's a contemporary movie around this time. It's Elf was a Christmas movie that's funnier. Yeah, I just I don't I just don't think Vince Vaughn is Christmassy. I think that maybe that's it. Maybe it's because obviously the script or at least the the allowance to let him improv is a big part of this movie it's kind of a selling point in his heyday and i i it's he's just too he's just too mean and he's really not terribly mean but he's just like sarcastic it just doesn't feel like it fits into a into a christmas movie and i'm trying to think of people off the top of my head that would be better in this role as we said flip john favreau and they they plug him into another Christmas movie in Red Fred Claus. Claus, where he does the same exact thing. Right, but in that movie, it makes more sense because he it, the juxtaposition of Santa Claus. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Because everyone in this movie is just shitty. Yeah. So you don't have the buffer of anyone being like the nice person there. With Fred Claus, yeah, like the whole point is for Fred to be an asshole because his brother is Santa Claus, the nicest person in the world so that there it makes more sense here it's just let's see how bad all of like this is your family right everyone kind of gets on each other's nerves you know not really it's not everybody i'm trying to look up right now celebs born in 1970 which is the year vince vaughn was born so who would have been better so who would have been better matt damon like yeah what about like thomas hayden church sure ethan hawk ethan hawk would be a good pick yeah will arnett that's still kind of uh Hitting That's, the same, hitting the same. Uh, right. I'm trying to Nick, think who Nick else. Offerman. <laughs> no. <laughs> he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't match up with Reese Witherspoon. Right. Jeez, uh, Nick Offerman. Simon Pegg would be interesting. That would be different. Very different. I think those are two pretty good ones. Simon Pegg. Jason Lee. No. No, he's more slapstick. Yeah. But he he could be Vince Vaughn-ish too. Sure. That's yeah. That's kind of like his his alley, I would say. Yeah. 
Simon Pegg and Ethan Hawke with two different versions. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I would like I might like to see those versions more than this version though. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A much more more sincere Christmas movie with Ethan Hawke. Yeah. And yeah. and a, a more comedic, I guess. I was gonna say slapsticky, but maybe not with uh, Simon Pegg. Yeah. Uh, I would I would like to see either of those. What about Gerard Butler? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Who says no to that? I guess we're we're all done, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, it's a good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you want to plug your shit? Uh, sure. At Diaquino122 is my personal Twitter. Come say hi to me there. I also run the Stranger Damies Twitter account at Stranger Damies. Closing in on 1,500. We're thinking about maybe doing a giveaway at that point. We'll see how that goes. If the first one went pretty well, I'd say we, we got a good... Uh, some good feedback on that so we'll uh, we'll look to do that again so could be you come join us yeah so we have our podcast stranger damies airs every wednesday um you can find it at stranger damies um anywhere you get your podcast find it on uh, instagram and twitter at stranger damies and then we have our video game podcast the game vault pod that airs every other monday Search for it by the Game Vault Podcast, wherever you get podcasts. And we're on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook, basically any socials, including Twitch, and soon to be YouTube if we, when we get enough subscribers. We'll be at Game Vault Pod at the end of all that. So, And we do streams on the, uh, the Twitch account Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and or Saturdays, and Sundays. And then every other Monday, we match up with the podcast for the Retro Roulette game we play. Be sure to check all that out. And the other important thing is until the end of the year, we are doing Extra Life, raising money for the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. You can donate at tinyurl.com slash extra life, the number five. And just any amount of money will help you have until December 31st, 2020 to donate. So if for some reason you're listening after that, it is no longer available to do. But uh, if you are listening around the time this airs, probably have another stream coming up in December to sort of like as a last push. So once again, it's tinyurl.com slash extra life, the number five. And yeah. Okay. And we are They Call This Movie. You can find us at theycalledthismovie.podbean.com and wherever you get your podcast, just by searching They Call This Movie. We are themaindamie.com and you could find us at themaindamie.com or on all socials at themaindamie. We're also a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at Geek Vibes Nation wherever you get your podcasts and on all socials. So they got a ton of great shows on there. Geek Vibes Live, Scene and Nerd, Us, Top 10 with Tia, Gutting the Sacred Cow, a whole bunch of great shows. If you're into geek stuff, there's surely a show for you. And that's going to wrap us up. I am at Antelvec on Twitter. You can find me there. If you have some spare time, check us out on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps out. If you have any questions, comments, you want to suggest a movie for us, just hit us up via email at themainamy at gmail.com. And that's going to do it. The movie this week has been Four Christmases, and the director is Seth Gordon. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Davecchio saying, Seth Gordon, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? Mm-hmm.